Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petrop, here with the only two twins that are excited to bring you already some information about the new fantasy season. You know it. Yes, we have the coaching carousel and what it means for your fantasy team, and we have it coming up right now. So, here's the thing. If you're still with us, it's the offseason in fantasy football. If you're still with us, congratulations. You right now have a distinct advantage over the rest of your league. Uh, I, well, you laugh, but it's true. it's true. You have a distinct advantage over the rest of your league because, hey, this is where it begins. You're going to know today what these draft, I mean, what these coach hirings mean for your players next year. And you know going into it, hey, look at, the, look at what happened to Todd Gurley. Right, Todd Gurley went from Jeff Fisher as a head coach to Sean McVay as a head coach, and he went from just nothingness to the number one pick next year. Right? Look what happened to David Johnson. He had Bruce Arians. He was the number one guy ever, and then he he was running back. I won't say that. You'll know why I won't say that in a second. Running back blank <laughs> coming up in the, well, let's say he was low end running back one. Right? So a coaching change could be the difference between a great player and a good player so knowing that gets you into it so before we start i've been talking too much already michael say what's up to the people what's up folks jason say what's up to the people too much business so far we need a little jokes in there yo we just we're all about the business sometimes you know what i'm saying do you know what was a joke setting up this studio today my god it took forever it happens. Jason, That's Jason almost do. broke everything. He he pulled on a string and looks like it was just a, like a domino effect of falling things. Would have been a lot of fun if, if everything, everything connected by silly string. <laughs> All right, so one thing that's not connected by silly string, smooth transition, are the coaching. No, that doesn't work that's at all. That's pretty silly. Uh, yeah, that, that can that, be that, cut that, at any time. There you go. Yep. All right, so <laughs> we have some new coaches on the horizon in the NFL, and what we want to know is what does this mean for fantasy players moving forward? We have a lot of guys. We have new head coaches. We have new offensive coordinators. We're going to skip the defensive coordinators for now because even though the defensive coordinators will make a big difference, uh, it's hard to tell you about fantasy defenses in January, right? So that's not going to happen. Fair but enough. we can tell you about fantasy offenses in January because that's what we do. Um, yep. So let's get started right away. Uh, the way we'll do it is we'll go down head coaches, and if the head coach is a new offensive coordinator, we'll talk about the head coach and the offensive coordinator as a team. If it's just an offensive coordinator switch, we'll go to the offensive coordinator switch. Let's go in chronological order if we can. The first one, the Packers, who move on from Mike McCarthy and get their first new head coach in 15 years. And it's Matt LaFleur, former Titans offensive coordinator. He uh, he says Nathaniel Hackett, uh, the Jags uh, offensive coordinator that was fired midseason. You come along and you uh, make your hay. Uh, I mean, both of these guys are known for running the rock. Um, to me, what this seems like is the Panthers, uh, the Packers are trying to transition over to a running offense, and that doesn't mean go away from Aaron Rodgers, but it means let Aaron Rodgers get more of a, you know, do more with less situation. Like there's going to be less guys, uh, double teaming receivers, things like that. So, what do you guys think about how this could affect the Packers? Let's start with Michael. I think this was a very interesting hire. One because Matt Lafleur, as everyone knows, is a Sean McVay guy. Too, because it just goes completely against everything that Mike McCarthy was. Mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy was the football guy, the guy who you go in knowing this guy knows about football. He's just going to follow 
just follow Mike McCarthy and you'll be a football team, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. And then we get Matt LaFleur, who's the new young guy, the new exciting guy who's supposed to be the offensive mastermind. Who he went to Tennessee and their offense was not uh was not great last year with Marcus Mariota. It actually digressed from the year before. Yes, you could blame injuries and you could blame just the lack of weapons, but it was not nearly anything near what you would expect from a Sean McVay offense. I think people might go into the the tree branch a little too far when it comes to things like this, like Bill Belichick, for example. His his uh coaches have never really worked out. And then you got, like, Sean McVay and everyone. He's the new guy that everyone's trying to grab. So I think it's a very interesting signing. He already said that he's going to try to get Aaron Rodgers uh, a more complex offense and just try to get him in space and able to do Aaron Rodgers things. So it's exciting, but it's very questionable. So, yeah, I, I mean, I agree this is an interesting hire. Jason, how do you think this affects a guy like Devontae Adams, who a lot of people are going into next season saying this guy's a, a definite first-round pick, and and Aaron Jones, who a lot of people are going into next year saying, hey, this is a guy that, if you're not paying attention, could be a steal in drafts. Look, Michael, uh, Michael, people might, <laughs> people, not Michael, there's other people in the world. People might uh, sure. look at the Titans and think about Corey Davis, right, and think, oh, if that's what a number one receiver is going to do in uh, Mike LaFleur's offense, then Matt Matt, Matt LaFleur. What's up with you and Mike right now? Why <laughs> Matt LaFleur's offense, then why do we need – then why would we be excited about Devontae Adams? But I think the difference – I think this is exactly where true throw value came in and true target value, where we talked about how Corey Davis had the volume, but his targets just weren't uh, valuable. So Devontae Adams will be completely fine. I think he's going to see the targets that uh, – LaFleur is not afraid to go at one – uh, wide receiver, which is perfect for Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones is a little trickier because Derrick Henry didn't really pull away from the pack until later in the year. Uh, LaFleur and the Titans signed Deion Lewis even though they had Derrick Henry. You don't want to see Aaron Jones get stuck in a committee again. Uh, at least you hope not, but that's a little bit more iffy that we're probably going to know more about as we enter the season. Devontae Adams is not worried about, though. So, if you take your true throw value and you take the targets that Corey Davis got, and you translate that, and now, Ooh. now this is—I know where this is going. Yeah, this is where you you really, this is where it gets fun with true throw value, and where it gives you a great opportunity of like, oh, let's see what we could do. Like, so you have Matt Lafleur, right? And you take Corey Davis's targets and you put that to the value of Aaron Rodgers compared to the value of Marcus Mariota. What was the value like in Marcus Mariota compared to Aaron Rodgers? I can't answer you right now, but give me a few minutes. Ask Michael a question. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, just in terms of that, you get to see, like, how much more valuable it is. And not only that, how much better of a receiver Devontae Adams is and how much he excelled in his opportunity. So, that ex ex excelling in his opportunity, Devontae yeah. Adams, plus the amount of opportunity he's getting is going to get ticked up. It's exciting. And the same with Aaron Jones, man. I'll hop I, in. I'm Marcus excited. Mariota was the 26th quarterback in true throw value, 0.414. Yuck. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came in at, um, I just had him in the teens, 15, at 0.474. So that's 0.6 more points for Aaron Rodgers every time he threw the ball than Marcus Mariota. So uh, 0.6 for a quarterback is what? Like six yards for every I don't know. But yeah. the point I'm making is, I, w I should have done this before the show. You should have thought it of this would have been a significant so bump. It would have been a nice bump. Each receiver, it, it's almost as if each throw towards Devontae Adams is worth six more yards. If you're looking at it that way. More. 
Yeah, or even more because Devontae Adams is a much better receiver, and he and yeah. his true throw, uh, true target value is much higher than Corey Davis's. So if you go and and look at that, you you're still expecting a big one out of that. So let's go to the next team. Uh, the Cardinals hire head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Now, I know you guys hate this move. I want to say mm. hate. Really? I don't hate it. Really? Let me I'm shocked. Let me clarify. I don't hate it. I hate that every talking head is just assuming that the Cardinals are a team to attack in fantasy now. Hmm. That's what I hate. Kingsbury, Agreed. sure, he can pan out. But what do we know about him? We know that he had Patrick Mahomes. We know that he made Baker Mayfield... Uh, Leave Oklahoma, uh, Texas Tech because he had some no-name quarterback. I, I forget his name. It slips my mind right now. We know that he never had a winning record. We know that he didn't win a bowl until since his first year or just none in general. So there's a lot of questions about Kingsbury. I, I mean, to be fair, a lot of people pass on Baker Mayfield. Well, he was he was a walk-on. But he was right. on the team. He right, I hear you. Team. But he, he, was a, he was a walk-on. I mean, I mean look. A lot of people will say he went 5-7 and seven to Texas Tech, right? But I think if you look a little bit closer, first of all, you can't deny that Cliff Kingsbury is an innovative offensive mind. And when you're coming from a Steve Wilkes-led team, that's a much better transition towards fantasy dominance, right? I'm not saying that it's the key, and I'm not saying all of a sudden David Johnson becomes a running back one again, but I think his chances of becoming uh, an upper echelon running back one go up with Kingsbury. Now, there's no offensive coordinator yet. They might be talking to Jim Bob Cooter. He's in the work. So that worries me a little bit because Jim Bob Cooter, you know, loves to throw like 67% of his uh, of the time. Um, but at Texas Tech, at Texas Tech, the year without Pat Mahomes, they went 5-7, and seven, but they had a plus 75-point differential. So they outscored their opponents by 75 points. How are you losing then? <laughs> they were averaging because their defense was horrible. They were averaging 37.3 points per game, and they were starting a freshman quarterback. Right, that freshman quarterback was injured for four and a half games. In those games, they went 0 and 5. Right, and they were up against Oklahoma 31-28 when their freshman quarterback went down. They lost by one possession to every ranked team they played. They upset TCU. This is a guy who had success, even though the record might not show. It's kind of like an Adam Gay situation where he overachieved with the, the the tools that he had. With that being said, Michael, how do you feel about it? I'm I'm kind of on the same boat as Jason here. It, Texas in Texas Tech history, the last coach that was under 500 was back in 1981. So it's been nearly 40 years since a coach was under 500, and Cliff Kingsbury was the next coach to do it. I mean, then, as we know, he went to USC, just kind of like he went to the USC to be their OC because he just kind of like fell out of favor with everyone, really, as a head coaching candidate because of his job at Texas Tech. And then he rose up again as a popular uh, young guy this year and ended up getting his shot with Arizona. It just it seems like this could easily be the one where it's like, oh, wow, that was a great move by Arizona next year if they go like 10 and six and they're on the rise. But then you could also see them going like four and 12 and saying, well, they shouldn't have taken a shot on this guy who's super inexperienced. I also don't know if I'm sold on Josh Rosen. And Agreed. Kingsbury should help, but Josh Rosen had, of all the quarterbacks who ended the season as a starter, the second worst true throw value, just ahead of Josh Allen. Yo, you want to hear something crazy? I think Josh Allen is not an Arizona Cardinal by the end of the year. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen, Rosen excuse me. Neither one of, neither one will Josh Allen. He's one, one of those. I think he's they trade him for picks, and then they draft Kyler Murray with the, the number one overall pick. One of those. He's one of those. Yo, think about the quarterback that my man one Cliff Kingsbury those. coached. Think about it. Mahomes. Mahomes. Who's the most like Mahomes? I, you want me to say Murray. It is Murray. <laughs> it is. That's the answer. Just think about it. Think about it. 
Huh? They have the number they one. They have pick. the number one. I mean, pick. who's he gonna trade Josh Rosen to? Giants, Jaguars. There's a bunch of teams with quarterback but needs. Put, but then there's also Raiders. the question after seeing what Rosen did this year, are you gonna trade the sixth pick for him? I'm not. I mean, if I if I'm them and I'm using the first round pick on a quarterback, I'll take a second round pick for Rosen and I'll take I'll cut my losses. Like you can't live in the past with draft picks. If a draft pick doesn't pan out and you can get a better player at that position this year, you do it. But bringing in a new coach opinion. so that you could help your young quarterback. I mean, let's not talk about what might happen and what might not, but I have a feeling about it. All right, let's move one over to, I think, one of the best fantasy viable options. I have another hot take Ooh. of who's going to join this team. Oh, Bruce no. Arians is the head coach of the Buccaneers. He brings over Byron Leftwich, who just calls Ooh-wee. Bruce Arians plays. Yeah, basically. Um, loves to air it out. We know this. The last player who aired it out as much as Jameis Winston currently airs it out was Carson Palmer under Bruce Arians. So it seems as though Jameis Winston and Bruce Arians are a match made in heaven. It's already being discussed that Bruce Arians is telling Deshaun Jackson, yo, don't retire. Come back. Um, A lot of weapons over there. Bruce Arians, a great offensive mind. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to sign with them. I think that they're going to have a running back. And if if Le'Veon Bell signs with them and Bruce Arians is at the helm, you saw what happens with David Johnson when you have a running back like that. Um... How do you guys feel about the Buccaneers? I want to talk about the receivers real quick because you mentioned Deshaun Jackson possibly coming back, and all over Twitter I was seeing, please don't come back. Chris Godwin mm-hmm. needs to beat yeah. the man. I want Deshaun Jackson back because <laughs> Bruce Arians likes his slot guys. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson's not going in the slot. No. Deshaun Jackson's opening up space on the field by running street routes. Chris Godwin is that big receiver that you want to put in the slot. He's the Larry Fitzgerald yeah, type on say, that he's team. he's the Larry Fitzgerald. Deshaun Jackson is only going to help Chris Godwin. I like Chris Godwin a lot going into next Open season. Open up the field. He's, that. I'm hoping that he becomes a slot guy for the Bucks. Humphreys yeah. is a free agent now. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think Larry Fitzgerald is a possibility to go into the Buccaneers too. I really do. I mean, last time we saw Bruce Arians coaching a team, he got inexplicably fired, honestly. He went, what was ah, it? He retired, bro. Huh? He retired. They didn't fire him. He retired. They he retired due to health reasons. They had to trade Arizona a pick for him. True, yeah, true, it right. was health reasons. True. Well, I mean, what he went eight and eight with Arizona. Yeah. Uh, with hurt quarterback, just David Johnson was basically the whole offense. He he did a tremendous job with a terrible team, as we saw, because now they have the number one overall pick after just one year later. And he's just he's a great. He wrote a book called The Quarterback Whisperer, so he knows he's good at working with quarterbacks. <laughs> Jameis Winston, QB1 all the way going into next I year. I agree. I agree. I, I, you know I'm not a Winston okay, Jameis guy. Train. I'm, on uh, the Dam- I'm on the Bruce Arians train, man. I Look, if Jameis, you're the number one pick. If you can't do it with Bruce Arians, you can't do it, period. And not for nothing, a lot of people True. like to give Jameis a, a hard time because he doesn't win games. But in terms of production, Jameis Winston has always been producing. He's always produced numbers. So if you can produce numbers. He the in, ball over a lot. Yeah, but he's always pro- all right, he's produced. But he, he puts the damn ball in the air. Like, yeah. he's not afraid to air that shit out. And the numbers show it. And Bruce Arian loves to air it out. Uh, I think this is an upgrade. Of course. All yeah. across the board. Yeah. Let's, all right, let's let's do a hypothetical now. Let's say Le'Veon like, Bell joins the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah. Are you considering him with the number one overall pick? No. Number four. Bro, you have to take Gurley over him. Gurley, Buck, all right, all right. I'm going yeah. ahead of myself. Are you considering him amongst the elite three running backs? No, no, Gurley, Barkley, Zeke. Gurley, Barkley, Zeke. Gurley, all right, so Gurley, Barkley, Zeke, and then maybe if Cam CMC. Plays McCaffrey, if Cam CMC, is out. And then who Let's else? Give Melgo some love. Mel- Melgo. I, would, I don't know. I think I'd take Le'Veon Bell over Melgo in a Bruce Arians offense. 
We'd have to see. This is a huge hypothetical. This We're is a huge eight hypothetical. months in the future. Yeah, we are. We are. But, you know, that's why we do this all year round, baby. BrotoFantasy.com at BrotoFantasy on Twitter and Instagram. Let's move over to a not so uh, sexy hire for the for fantasy, at least. Uh, the Broncos. Hey, hey, Broncos. They hire Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio comes over, the former defensive coordinator for the Browns. And who else comes over? Rick Scangelero. Rick Scangelero. Ricky Scan. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not his. Rick Scangarello. Miss Rick Scangarello. Oh, you mispronounced it. Vic the name. Fangio and Rick Scangarello coming to get your mortadella and provolone sandwiches. Yeah, um, you know the rumors <laughs> that are flying right now? Yeah. That Scangarello, quarterback's coach for the Niners, yes. is going to be bringing Nick Mullins over with him. You know, he found Nick Mullins. And he signed him. He he. Nick Mullins basically gave him all the credit of him being even being in the NFL. He said, "I was at an All Star game. He hit me up. We talked during the draft in the sixth round. He's like, no one's gonna draft you. We're signing you.' And he he didn't even think he was gonna be in the NFL. And this guy found him, and now he's starting and he's doing well. I think that Nick Mullins coming over would be a great a great thing for the Broncos. Honestly, it'd be, it'd be more interesting than Case Keenum. At least, yeah, battle it out. With Nick Case Mullins Keenum. has been an underrated piece. True throw value. He ended the season pro, uh, around the high teens. Yeah, I mean, he was good. Well, low low teens, like positive, like thirteen ish, not like the high teens. Oh, that's pretty solid. Thir- yeah, above average. Yeah. yeah, way above average. Uh, so he's known as a good F, uh, X's and O's guy. He's a good offensive mind. He's a quarterbacks coach, which is something that you don't necessarily expect when you got case keenum on the squad let me but i think in. this is a, i think this is a message to case i have for. a question for you guys because uh <laughs> scangarello right it's his name yes long name he likes to run a zone running scheme kind of like shanahan right is this gonna help out Lindsay or freeman because now there's co- new coaches coming in Lindsay was on draft a guy freeman's the guy with the draft pedigree i know Lindsay was the all-star but this could spell some trouble if they think freeman's a better zone runner I don't think that there's any guarantee that that Philip Lindsay has that job next year. I mean, but you're just a Royce Freeman. You just want Royce Freeman to be good. So no, could. no, I don't. He wasn't a bust. Jesus Christ! Are we gonna go through this again? <laughs> I mean, they did just steal Mike Munchak though from uh, Pittsburgh to be their new O line coach. It's a nice addition there for Denver. I mean, yeah. I look. He's also known for working with young wide receivers. I think that has to be out there as well. A lot of young wide receivers to be worked with in Denver. That's so, true. although Vic Fangio is not the biggest, like, sexy hire, uh, Scandarello, hey, get some mortadella and some offense in here. Hey, 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 I want an offense sandwich. <laughs> Jesus. So, let's move on to our next uh, one that hits close to home for us. Adam Ooh. Gase, the head coach of the Ooh. Jets. As you guys know, Ooh. we are Jets fans, which explains why we love fantasy so much, because we have so little to watch during Jet games. We just watched all of the NFL and Dude, got really into fantasy. The true. first year we bought Red Zone. It's the best year of our lives yeah i mean we hardly watched jet games that year because it was last year and they sucked so we watched the rest of the nfl we did the kind of the same thing this year uh, now with the with the new technology we have the jets game on a laptop the giants game on a laptop and red zone on the tv boom oh what a time to be alive oh, what a uh, time. speaking of what a time to be alive adam gase looked like he was scared of his own shadow during the press conference but he did have a better press conference Dude. to like make up for that uh, later on uh, at ESPN Radio. I feel I bad for him, honestly. There was no one cared about what he said. Yeah, no one cared about what he said. <laughs> I <laughs> haven't even found the actual interview. <laughs> for real, all I find is the videos of him going like... Yeah, and like following a taco uh, around the, uh, the room. and uh, There had to be... like I just think he was like really nervous or something. Well, I cut this guy some slack, yo. Everyone's treating him like he's a serial killer now. So Jason had a tweet 
uh, not too long ago. It said, Adam Gates is a conundrum. Anomaly. Anomaly. There you go. Conundrum. Anomaly. Uh, Jason, why don't you explain to him why he's an anomaly? Yeah, I'm just going to go over that tweet on air because not everyone sees our Twitter. Because there's at just... Bro- at, hold on. At Brodo Fantasy on Twitter. Yes. There's a pro with every single con. So I'm going to go through five different pros and cons. Pro number one. He kept the Dolphins competitive every year despite, have, despite having a not very talented team. True. Con, he did not use his most talented players. True. Hashtag Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Even Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. About. Yeah. He traded away Landry. Traded away Sue. He traded away uh, the Tack Pouncey. Brought in Frank Gore. Yeah. I got mean, rid of Damian Williams. You got rid of some good players, and he didn't play some good players. But to, to be fair, the players well, that he Williams did play left from free agency. were I. I believe. Pro, he's not that bad at home. Con, he sucks on the road. His three seasons with Miami, his records at home were six and two, four and four, six and two. Five hundred or better every time. I mean, and the four and four you gotta consider is in a six and ten season. Yeah. No, no, no. Yes. 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 Yeah, so the the away records are four and four, two and six, one and seven. Blech. So four when I'm looking four. at people who play worse on the road, there's two questions you ask yourself. Is it was he good at home because he was getting more talent out of his less talented players? Or was he just not good enough to win on the road? I think I think that's the question that needs to be answered, honestly. Like, and we can't answer that yet. It's tough winning on the road in the NFL. It's tougher winning on the road with a bad team. Yeah, but I mean, some part of the reason why he had a bad team is he traded away all his good players. Like, if you're if you're coaching in New York, you're gonna have to have a different type of mentality. And one of the things that your mentality is gonna have to be is, hey, can I, can I handle this? And from what it looks like. He didn't handle his, his players who spoke out very well, and he traded all his talent away. Um, so, Michael, let's start with you. If you're giving this a grade, what would you give it for the Jets? I'd give it like a B. Oh, so right in the uh, middle. Yeah, I feel like some people who are, are grading him too harshly just because the Dolphins sucked when, I mean, come on, it's the Dolphins. Like, they're just a, a mediocre franchise. They've always been a mediocre franchise. Even when they had Dan Marino, they couldn't win a damn Super Bowl. I'm sorry, Dolphins fans. But then I'm not. <laughs> true. Hashtag Jets up. <laughs> hashtag Ronald Strick. But then this is also a guy who has been successful with his offense. Jason, the true throw value, Ryan Tannehill, was a top five, I believe. He came in sixth. Came in sixth in true throw value. So he was productive. I just The thing I hate the most about Adam Gase, and I really hope he doesn't carry this over, is his lack of plays. He was in the bottom of the league in uh, offensive plays run per game. It's because he loves running the ball. Yeah, I don't want that. With Sam Darnold, I want to be a fast-paced offense, able to use the weapons and slinging the ball around. So I'm hoping he's able to adapt. One of the things that was a calling card of the Adam Gase offense was they got a lot of big plays. They scored on a lot of giant plays, but there weren't that many big plays. Do you think that's a product of Ryan Tannehill, Jason, or do you think that's a product of the offensive system? I think it's the offensive system because, like we said, the big plays helps out with your truth of value. It increases your efficiency. Ryan Tannehill was the sixth most efficient quarterback this season, and the uh, Dolphins on the season only threw the 19th most times. When your quarterback is having success throwing the ball, old-style people will say it's because you run the ball so much. But you want to throw the ball more when you're only 19th in passing attempts, and he's been in the 20s his entire career in the Miami that I don't think there's a reason for that to be the case right now in 2019. Yeah. So what what grade would you give it? B minus. Do you think there's an overall positive or negative for the Jets players next year in fantasy? I'm gonna say positive, but I really don't know right now. Interesting, Michael. I, I think it's still like on, on a neutral course. I'm I wanted Todd Monk to really take a huge step up. Yeah. 
I'm going to give it a B. It doesn't look like anyone liked Todd Modkin as a head coaching candidate because he got hired as an offensive coordinator. Transition game tight. Let's go to the Real Browns. Talk, though, if you're Todd Monken, uh my transition game was so tight, come on, bro. Man. Just ruined you that. You just loosened it. Just loosen the transition. You just took out the bunny game. ears. Uh. Horrible. You're in a timeout. So back to the to the to the ill transition. You're not let me transition my time. Um the Browns first promote Freddie Kitchens to offensive coordinator and then to head coach I in quit. less than three months. He's someone who definitely didn't quit. And they hire Todd Monken as their offensive coordinator. Michael Jason, I could see your raging boners from here. Two of the guys that the Twins are, the, the, the threesome of the Twins' dreams, Freddie Quick Kitchens, Todd Monken, Baker Mayfield, all rods thick. Um, how thick are their rods going to get? I mean, I prefer probably Bruce Arians over Freddie Kitchens. Browns are running the AFC North next <laughs> but, year. Brown? Oh, we got ourselves a hot take off the bat. There's no question I, I about it. I don't even think it's a hot take. I'm, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good the they, odds came out now, I'd make a bet now. They ended 5-2 and two this season. The odds are out, the last bro. Seven. There's, it's degeneration out there. There's I'm, degeneration. I want to go make a, a bet. To Jersey. To Jersey. All right, so uh, let's talk more fantasy-wise. Uh, I know you guys love Todd Mocken. I know you guys love Freddie Kitchens. What does this mean for a Browns team that... On the whole, is super talented in terms of the talent that they have on the field. Baker Mayfield is going to be. He just set the record for most touchdown passes as a rookie in a year where he didn't start till till week five, I believe it was. I think he came in midway through week four against the Jets, week three or week four, and now he's going to get another year. He's keeping the Freddie Kitchens offense, presumably, even though Todd Monken is the OC, I expect them to have a similar style offense because he was slinging the ball around. And Nick Chubb took a huge step up once he became the starter. He was, he was like the number. I think he was the number one ranked PFF running back. He was by far and away the most elusive running back through by PFF rankings. So he was great too. I I love it for Chubb. I love it for Mayfield. Jarvis Landry is a bit of a question mark. I still think because once Freddie Kitchens took over, he did his targets did go down. Uh, David Njoku didn't really take the step up that I expected him to take up last season. But one of the pass catchers is gonna have to step up now that um now that Baker Mayfield is going to take a step up. So there is one guy that I know Jason's a big fan of named Antonio Callaway. Jason, why don't you tell us about what you think about Antonio Callaway? Oh, yeah. Him? I'll tell you about Monkin and Kitchens as well. They like to run air raid offenses. Those are uh, basically you want to come out of the shotgun most of the time. You want to work with two outside receivers or two receivers in the slot and work with trips receivers on the right. So you always want to use a lot of receivers and in today's NFL, that's what you want to do. And Baker Mayfield ran an air raid offense in Texas Tech. Now, to get Oklahoma. on some... Oklahoma. Oklahoma, sorry. Texas Tech is where he was banished from. To get on some uh, numbers, uh, Todd Munkin and Tampa Bay's offense, uh, on an EPA-based decision, ran 70% of the time on second down. So what I mean by that, I didn't say it the best way I could. PFF has EPA, that's like uh, your expected value, basically, of the play, right? So 70% of the time, Todd Munkin was making the right... De- Decision that was the highest in the league. Um, he likes to pass the ball. He has a quote saying, Why would I want to run for three yards and have a second and long or something like that? So I think it's a perfect offense for the uh, for I'm losing myself for fantasy purposes. And then if you look at what uh, Freddie Kitchens and Munkin did over the end of last season, when Kitchens took over, they were the third best offense in terms of yards gained per drive. 
the Bucks were sixth best over the entire season. So we're meshing the third and the sixth to become the number one superpower. You know, they, they took the Browns took a huge step up offensively at the same time they took a huge step down defensively. Which I know we're not really gonna talk about uh defensive coordinators on this episode. But Greg Williams had a top five defense for the Browns when he was a DC. When he moved to head coach, they dropped a bottom five defense. So you gotta think he has a lot to do with it. Go Jets. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about defensive coordinators right now, but um, so but sorry, Antonio Callaway, yeah, running the air raid vertical, a lot of vertical routes. Antonio Callaway is that number one receiver on the team for vertical routes. Look, I like this hire. I like both hires. I just, I'm gonna sound like an old man. I'm gonna sound like a straight up like oh, teacher. God, they should have got Mike man. McCarthy. Look, no, 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 no. Let's not go crazy now. I just think that, like, <laughs> honestly, what's up with Making sure your 22-year-old quarterback is cool with your head coach. Like, the Jets did it. The Browns did it. Like, everyone who got a young quarterback has to make sure that their young quarterback is cool with their is, with their coach. Yo. No. That's not how this works. You're, t- you're 21 years old. You don't get to make the decisions, bro. Like, I don't care how famous or rich you are. Like, you got to play for the coach that you got to play for. So, that. that's the only thing that I don't like about it. But, okay. hey. Freddie Kitchens may have gotten the job because of his of his association and his kinship with um, Baker Mayfield, and if bringing in Todd Modkin, a, a great offensive mind that that was proven this year, that is a lethal combination. Who would they bring in at DC again? They bring in Steve Wilkes at DC, Steve I believe. Wilkes, Steve yeah. Wilkes Which at DC, also, also a great hire, a guy who ju- who got a head coaching position from his defensive coordinator position two years ago. Obviously failed in that, but Arizona's defense was much. Much improved, so even last year they saw solid defense despite their terrible performance. Right, right. So it 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 goes to wonder. Hey, the 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 Browns are all of a sudden this all star squad with all star coaches and all star players and another year of Miles Garrett, another year of Denzel Ward. Yeah, Super so, Bowl winners. Oh wow, now that's hot. Um, Someone called a fight apartment. With that being said, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They don't have a new head coach, but they have a new offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo. He was fired from the Vikings. Now, a lot of people think this is the first step of Nick Foles becoming a Jacksonville Jaguar because he was the QB coach for Nick Foles during his championship run last season. He was hired as the Vikings offensive coordinator, fizzled out before the season even went halfway. Um, The plan is probably still run first in Jacksonville. I think, despite whoever their quarterback is. So. You know, this is what I, I was kind of confused by the DeFilippo hiring. Because, one, he got hired because the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Basically, they their offense was running smoothly. He was the quarterback's balls. coach there when, when yeah, that happened. So that he, he, put, he turned that into a head coach, an offensive coordinator position. And he just he just wasn't good with And he had a, a great team to use with the Minnesota Vikings. And he just did not do a good job. He and the reason I say I didn't really understand the signing is because he was passing the ball early and often with Cousins and company. Do you think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Dalvin Cook was hurt? Because when Dalvin Cook came back, the, it kind of balanced out a little more. I mean, that, that was kind of more along the lines of when he got fired is when Dalvin Cook started getting That's the true. Ball I more. didn't even think about that. You're right. Yeah, so, I mean, it was – I if you still want to run a run-first offense, it's weird to bring in Filippo. Maybe since he didn't have success in Minnesota, he'll try to – settle down more and run the ball first. But then I don't want that either from an OC. I want a guy who's going to run a complex passing offense. So it's just, I don't love it. Who's Jacksonville's quarterback going to be? No one knows at this point either. 
You got a guy like Tom Coughlin who runs the game, and Tom Coughlin has made a career out of making the not obviously great into great. Um, Hashtag Eli Manning. Do you Ooh, I want the- do you have <laughs> do you have faith in that kind of mind who made that happen, or are you on the are on the Michael train where you're like this doesn't really make sense to me? To be honest, Leonard Fournette might be out the door. He might be. It looks like it. Blake Bortles probably out the door. Definitely. It's not like they have receivers up the gazoo. They barely Keelan have. Cole? Keelan, I was watching some Keelan Cole highlights. Yo, dude, good ball. I don't know I what know. happened. I know. I don't know what happened to him. I'm blaming the Jaguars. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the main receiver. D.D. Westbrook was pretty decent this year because he ended up being the number one. But the damn slot receiver. Can we really say anything about the Jaguars right now? We don't even know who their team is. That's true. Yeah. I mean, but that one that I'm one not very thrilled with the Filippo hire. Cousins, Diggs, Thielen. God, do better. Let's go over to the Falcons. Offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter returns to the Falcons. He already had a stint with the Falcons once before in his career. Um, how do you guys feel about the Dirk Cutter hire? He obviously came from a Tampa Bay system where the offense was prolific no matter what quarterback it was. Here's my issue. Uh, we saw Matt Ryan struggle in an offense, then be an MVP candidate. Then we saw Matt Ryan struggling in an offense. Then the next year, if the Falcons were good, he would have been an MVP candidate. For sure. He was the second best quarterback fantasy points wise. 35 and 7. So that pattern tells you that it takes Ryan time to acclimate. He's getting older in age. And then his second year is when he is at his best. So I'm not sold on the idea that Matt Ryan can learn a new offense and excel in it through a one-off season. Now, Dirk Cutter was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons from 2012 to 2014. Now, yes, that was five years ago. But does that does that change your opinion any on the fact that Matt Ryan in the first time in the offense? That's what Matt Ryan was. I'm going to say naive. no because Shanahan uh, runs a different offense, like from most of the world. And then uh, what's his name? Sarkeesian brought in an offense that nobody really liked until they were killing it this year on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't think having Dirk Cutter in 2014—that's five years ago now. I'm I'm riding the. Don't draft Matt Ryan bandwagon. I mean, how old is Matt Ryan now? Mid, young to mid thirties. Yeah, I mean, you know by now if he's able to acclimate to an offense quickly, and he just hasn't proven that he's able to. I'm I'm on team hashtag shouldn't have fired Steve Sarkeesian. Thirty three. Thirty three. I mean, this Steve Sarkeesian. He he had trouble in the red zone two years ago. That was his number one number one fault that everyone said you have to do better in the red zone. He sucked in the red zone the first two games. And then the Falcons were awesome in the red zone the rest of the year. Their offense was prolific. Matt Ryan went 35-7. and seven. Julio Jones ended up scoring eight touchdowns from allergic to nonstop in the end zone. It, Steve Sarkeesian, it was not Sarkeesian's fault that the Falcons sucked. Tim's going to be happy about this one because mm-hmm. I saw a stat and I was like, this is what me and Tim were saying all year and I was just sad to prove it. The Falcons were the number one team in throws one to ten yards. Well, there you go. So we were saying the whole season. Up in pass attempts, though. That's what we were saying the whole season. Yeah, all we're saying is that Matt Ryan benefits from Yak. And all I'm saying is that Sarkeesian should have been Probably giving, more than Everyone's giving him love because Tevin said, Coleman took a swing route 60 yards to the house. Pff, sure, I, I like their cutter and I like his offensive prowess, but Matt Ryan has just proven to not be great picking up offensive the offense in his first year. Agreed. Huh. That's true. All right. Uh, let's move on to the Vikings. The Vikings keep their same offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski. He took over midway through the season after who we just talked about, Vic Fan, uh, John DiFilippo, excuse me, got fired. But they hire Gary, Gary Kubiak as the special Gary offensive Koops. 
advisor, quote, unquote. It's a little fishy business in Denver or Kubiak because when they brought in Vic Fangio, now Kubiak had that position with the, the Denver Broncos, and Kubiak got his fame because he was with the Broncos from 95 to 2005, 10 years with a franchise. And in that span, he coached people from Terrell Davis to Peyton Manning, and he had success no, with a pass-first offense, with a run-first offense. So this guy's an innovative offensive mind, right? And he's buddy-buddy with John Elway. He's supposed to come and be the kind of the offensive head coach with Vic Fangio. And then all of a sudden, not he says, I don't feel like coaching anymore. He leaves the Broncos organization. And then the day later, he pops up with the Vikings organization in the same position that he had with the Broncos organization it's fishy, but in terms of fantasy, it doesn't really matter if it's fishy or not. What kind of difference does this make for the Vikings? I mean, how think? old is Gary Kubiak? You want to be on the Broncos in today's NFL, or you want to be guy. with Cousins, Diggs, and Thielen? <laughs> okay, uh, sure, sure. Yeah, he is a run-first guy. He's a he's an old-school type of guy like that. You know, when when he went to uh, Denver and won the championship with the Super Bowl with uh, Peyton Manning. That was I wanted the Jets to hire Gary Kubiak so bad, and our brother Johnny for the OGs out there were like, "Why do you want Gary Kubiak?" And then he won the Super Bowl like two years later with the, with the, uh, the Broncos, and the Jets still suck, and it was just very sad. He's fifty-seven. <laughs> he's not as old as. Yeah, he's fifty-seven, but he's facing health issues. I do think he should help the uh, run game though. Yeah, he was like Kyle Shanahan before Kyle Shanahan with the, like, innovative thinking a little bit. It, it hasn't. It's kind of tapered off a bit. He's not the biggest innovator now, but he was an innovator in his time. And uh, With the uh, the Texans, right? Arian Foster and he, Co. He's always, Steve Slayton. He's always had, um, what made me lose my train of thought? Effective running backs. Yeah. So I think this will be good for Dalvin Cook. I uh, Dalvin Cook needs to stay healthy for for the Vikings. Look, obviously this is a different situation, and every offensive coordinator is different. But with the Vikings, it'll come down to the same thing all the time. Adam Thielen in the slot, Stephon Diggs in the outside. Kirk Cousins throwing the ball, Delvin Cook, and Kyle Rudolph in the red zone. No matter who you are and what offense you're calling, this is what it's coming down to. So yes. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that this is gonna be the the the, the biggest difference. Uh one person that's going to make a giant difference is the offensive coordinator that just got hired with the Ravens, Greg Roman, promoted from tight end coach. He's actually the person who came up with the offense that Lamar Jackson ran, although Marty Morningwig, the guy that they fired, was the person calling the plays. Um, he's best known for the job he did with the 49ers. He was the architect of that offense that went all the way to the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. And Frank Gore also thrived in that RPO system. I think it's pretty clear this guy's being hired for the Ravens to run the rock. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely hate it for every single Ravens receiver. Probably won't be targeting any Ravens receiver unless it's like maybe the double-digit rounds and you want to take a chance on someone. Uh, whoever their running back is by this time next year, you don't know if it's going to still be Gus Edwards or Kenneth Dixon. Well, not by this time next year, by the time the season starts. But Lamar Jackson is more than likely going to be a low-end QB1 again just because of his legs. I would he- even say a little higher than that. I think, I think that he has a chance to be... In the top echelon of QBs, just because of he running. has to start throwing the ball better, he really does. I think he will. I think he will. Colin Kaepernick was not a great thrower when he started either, and he got better under. He had a cannon though. Yeah, he did have a cannon, but so does Lamar Jackson. He doesn't use he it doesn't in have games. A Kaepernick cannon. I mean, he Kaepernick. he aired it out in Louisville. But Kaepernick had Kaepernick a Kaepernick had like a Mahomes. Yeah, Ka- yeah, Kaepernick had a cannon. Still, I mean, it, still this, has a cannon. It makes sense. It's not like if they hired Todd Monk, I'd be like, what the. Fuck? 
going on. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's a it makes sense. You know it's what a, offense they're running. It's a safe running. hire. Yeah. Yo, honestly, you're going to call me crazy. If I'm in a two-quarterback league or I'm in a super flex league, oh, I'm God, reaching for Lamar, Lamar Jackson like in the third, fourth round. No no lie. I mean, super, super flex, flex league is everything. Yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 I want that guy on my team. All right, let's move on to the Lions. The Lions, actually, just two hours ago, uh, they signed Daryl Bevel. Uh, he's probably best known uh, for his time with the Seattle Seahawks. He yeah. was the offensive coordinator there uh, yeah. when they went to two straight, uh, two straight Super Bowls. Funny thing, he was the offensive coordinator who ended up calling the pass in the goal line. The defensive coordinator on the other side who ended up calling the Malcolm Butler uh, plates for interception, which, by the way, I just started reading Gridiron Genius by Mike Lombardi, where he goes deep into that play in the preparation that that took all summer and all winter, and they never ran that formation at all whatsoever during the year, and then they ran that formation for the first time on that play, and that's exactly what happened. A must- a must check out for any football fan, um, and I'm not getting paid to say that. Michael Lombardi, that's, that's my guy. But, yeah, he's the man. Uh, where, where was I? Oh, Bevel. Matt Patricia was the defensive coordinator on the other side. So now he's the head coach. Uh, the Lions wanted a more balanced play quarter. It doesn't get much more balanced than uh, Bevel. Uh, during his time in Seattle, his offense averaged 131.9 rushing yards per game, 216 passing yards per game, and four, 24 points per game. Um the quote by uh, Quinn, their their uh, GM, excuse me, uh, this is going to be a little, little bit of a long call, stay with me. We want to be able to run the ball. We want to be able to use our quarterback because he has a ton of talent. So we want to be diverse, Quinn said. They are not going to sit there and be in four wide receivers, shotgun every play and throw it 45 times. That's not good for anyone. On the other hand, they're not going to be three tight ends and run the ball 40 times. We need to do a better job of going to each week, looking at the opponent and say, how are we going to beat this team? If they have a great run defense and a poor pass defense, maybe we throw it 45 times and vice versa. So we want someone who thinks that way, that thinks, hey, I have an offense, but my offense is adaptable. I could change week to week, or I can change from this week, and I have a set of receivers, and two weeks later, I don't. So I think what they want to do is they want to be focusing on both. I think this is a big upgrade for Carry On Johnson people. I think that whoever likes Carry On Johnson will be happy. Um, on the other hand, this is probably an upgrade all over. Uh, because Matt Stafford was QB 16 this year, and, and a lot of people did not see that coming. So... Michael, let's start with you. How do you feel about this hire? So I, I'm just, I'm, it's kind of like a conundrum for Lions fans because you know they were all like, uh, "Oh, we're not running the ball enough." For years, they're saying we're not running the ball enough. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter offense just Matt Stafford like slinging, uh, gun and shoot all all the time, and now they have Carryon Johnson, a great running back, and then they hire this guy Bevel, who's supposed to be a run first guy, and now they all hate the hiring because he's like a run first guy, and it doesn't make any sense. With that being said, I think it's literally only good for Carryon Johnson. Uh, when he was with Seattle, with like he had Marshawn Lynch and and company, he produced RB ones often. He did not produce wide receiver ones often though. So I think it's very good for Carryon Johnson. I don't love it for guys like Matt Stafford, for Kenny Galladay, for T.J. Jones or whoever else they're gonna bring in for a receiver because they need someone else out there next to Kenny Galladay. It's once they got rid of Golden Tate. Well, Marvin Jones is still there, I believe, but. It's it's just it's gonna be a run heavy offense now I think well heavier than most now that Jim Bob Cooter's gone as well so I want Carry On Johnson but I don't want anyone else. If you see what Bevel's done in his career, every season it's always been a it's been a um 
running back one or wide receiver one. Not uh, not both of them. So, like, for example, in Seattle, he had Marshawn Lynch as RB1. But then one year, Doug Baldwin would be a wide receiver one. But it was never, like, a combination of the two. He was never uh, that good at his job, I guess, to say. So, I, it's kind of like you're choosing between Galladay and uh, Carrion. And my money would be on Carrion. I just don't know how to feel about Bevel, honestly, because we, we're we not sure if Bevel's good at his job or not, right? And knowing Brian, Brian Schottenheimer ran the offense in Seattle this year, their disgusting offense, and the Seattle Seahawks were still a good team, and they still made the playoffs. Russell Wilson was second in true throw value on the season in a terrible Brian Schottenheimer offense. Michael's talking about it all offseason. So we know how good Russell Wilson is. Is that why Bevel was decent? Because of Russell Wilson. It's interesting. And and Marshawn Lynch. And an offensive line at that time that was extremely good. I mean, the offensive line is what ended up suffering the most from the defensive players getting paid. But that was a good offensive line. Anyway, uh, that is our thoughts on all of this. Next up... On our real, recognized, real segment, we have our Woo! guest. We want to let you guys know this, first of all. First of all, our guest is Kyle Richardson. He's the realist. We are going to be bringing in a lot of fantasy guests. And we want to tell you one thing. The fantasy landscape right now, in terms of, in general, is very saturated. The market is not exactly uh, easy to navigate in terms of who knows their stuff and who doesn't. The Twins and I have been playing fantasy for 15 years. Well, I've been playing fantasy 15 years. The Twins, since they were honestly, they had a, they were they split a team in, in a real like nine. They split, nine. yeah, they split a team when they were nine years old. Like, and they actually were competitive even when they were nine years old. I think that you could tell from right now that that probably is it. You can get why. Um, but look, we know we're real. You're listening, so you know we're real, and we're gonna bring you guests all summer. That are also real. That you can trust their word in terms of this fantasy stuff because they actually know what they're doing. There's a lot of people out here that don't know what the hell they're doing. So in our Real Recognized Real segment every week, well not every week, every week that we have a guest, we are going to be bringing you the realness and other guys you could uh, you could trust. So I'm without further ado, further ado, let's get into this coverage interview. And now we are rec- welcoming in our special guest, Kyle Richardson. Kyle Richardson is a senior fantasy analyst for Roto Baller. He is also the co-host of Fantasy Headliners, a YouTube channel with over 28,000 subscribers. He also is the developer of the Dynamic Running Back Ranking System and a member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. My God, badges everywhere. What is up, Kyle Richardson? Not much, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Ready to talk a little bit of football, especially about some of these new hires, because I'm pretty excited for several players this coming season. Yeah, so let's get started right away, right off the bat. Uh, we went over some hires and how we feel about them, but what is your favorite hire so far in terms of fantasy impact that it might have next season? Yeah, my favorite hire so far, honestly, is Freddie Kitchen. The Browns, I was super worried the Browns were going to do Browns things this offseason and hire a coach that could not continue to push that offense in the correct direction. And for them to bring Freddie Kitchens back, I think it was just an excellent, excellent job on their part to just see the way that they gelled at the end of the season, the way Baker Mayfield played, the way that Nick Chubb uh, basically just burst at the end of the season and became a running back one. Um, I, in 2019, I expect Jarvis Landry 
um, with another year and another offseason under his belt with working with Baker Mayfield. I expect him to get better. And a guy that I've talked about a lot, and I'm not going to stop talking about him because I love him, Antonio Callaway. I think this guy is in for a big 2019 as well. He's a huge deep threat. This is a guy that missed his last season at Florida. So basically, he played his rookie season in the NFL after taking his final season in college off. That's tough to do. And he was suspended, and he had a lot of character issues. And as long as he stays out of trouble this offseason, I think he's going to be a really sneaky add at the end of drafts next year. Hey, Kyle. Jason here. Uh, I agree with you with the Callaway thing. I want to touch on the offensive coordinator because Kitchens and Munkin both like to run vertical offenses, and uh, Callaway is the perfect wide receiver for that. You talked more about Kitchens. How do you think Munkin's going to help out the Browns? Yeah, I think I think him and Kitchens are going to be on the same page. Um, whatever Kitchens was doing with that offense at the end of last season, it worked. So I, I'm sure more than likely he brought him in and said, hey, this is what we did, this is what we worked, this is what Baker Mayfield is comfortable with. And they've already sat down and said, yes, we're going to be working together on this. So I'm sure they are on the same page. Um, I, if, if they would have brought in like a Mike McCarthy, which a lot of people thought they would, that really would have worried me. Um, if they would have brought in like a defensive-minded coach, if they would have, uh, unless it would have been keeping Greg Williams, that would have worried me as well. But because these two guys are going to be working cohesively now, I think that they're going to have a great game plan and they're going to work together and they're going to build off what basically Kitchens had going at the end of last year. Uh, besides the Browns uh, coaching hires, uh, what who else would be your favorite uh, coach in terms of positive effect on fantasy next season? Yeah, I have a couple, so I'm going to hit both of them super quick here. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Bruce Arians is, a, is a, a definite. You have to look at that and you have to say that they could have made a better hire than getting Bruce Arians. It's going to help Jameis Winston. Really excited to see um, Mike Evans continue to build on what was a great under-the-radar season, really, because um, a lot of people still aren't really talking about it, except for the ones who are saying it was great. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm really hoping they don't bring Deshaun Jackson back, because if they don't, then that loosens up Chris Godwin and makes him even better. Um, the O.J. Howard, that one will be interesting to see. I don't know if O.J. Howard will continue to really make that climb because I think Bruce Arians will utilize his other weapons a little bit more. So we'll see what happens with that. I think that was a great hire. But another one, too, that got a lot of mixed reviews was the Cardinals. I think Cliff Kingsbury, I think that was the home run hire, to be honest. Now, I'm, I'm a big college football fan as well, so maybe some of the people who thought it was a, a bad hire aren't big college football fans. I'm not sure. Um, but this guy is just an offensive-minded guy who knows how to put players in the best situations to be successful. Didn't have a great tenure at Texas Tech, but it's hard to when you're the third or fourth, fourth least popular school in the state trying to recruit. So it's a whole different ballgame. David Johnson, I'm buying all the David Johnson I can this offseason. I know we look at Kingsbury and we think, oh, he ran the air raid offense. It's going to be pass, 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 pass. No, he is smart enough to know that David Johnson is the best player on the field at any given time and that he needs to utilize him in the best way. So I like where the Cardinals are going with that hire. So as someone who watched Kingsbury's offense at Texas Tech, what what do you think we could expect? Now, this is an offense that scored 37 points a game. So even though the record wasn't there, he definitely read an, led an offense. What kind of offensive game plan or what kind of offensive looks did you see out of Kingsbury last year, and what do you think we could expect next year from him? I think I think it's going to be about making I think it's going to be about making Josh Rosen better. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by 
letting him grow, but using David Johnson to do that. Um, we don't need to ask David. Jo- we don't need to ask Josh Rosen to go out and throw it 35, 40 times a game. I mean, the Browns utilized Nick Chubb last year to help Baker Mayfield grow. They fed off of each other. I'm thinking it's going to be the same thing here. I don't think it's going to be an all-out passing attack, or you're going to see you know Josh Rosen putting up huge numbers. Maybe in a couple of years we see something like that, but I think we're going to see a little bit more of a balanced offense this year where Kingsbury is putting his players in situations to really be successful, and I think that starts with David Johnson. So improving the offensive line this offseason and then really pounding the ball with David Johnson, definitely getting him in the passing game again, and then uh, Rosen getting him going, uh, building off that, some play actions and things like that. So I think that's how we're going to see that offense develop next year. Hey, Kyle, uh, Mike here. Going back to the Buccaneers and the Bruce Arians hire, we were talking about since Bruce Arians is such an offensive mastermind and uh, the fact that Le'Veon Bell is a free agent, we decided to bring up a hypothetical of maybe Le'Veon Bell going to the Buccaneers in that what would expect it to be a high-powered offense and where we think he would land inside the the running backs next year in the ranking. So where do you... I know it's a hypothetical question that you probably have not thought about at all, but where do you think... Le'Veon Bell would rank for you if he ended up going to the Buccaneers in a Bruce Arians offense? Man, if he goes to the Buccaneers, I, I probably have to say that I would put him uh, a mid to low end running back one. Um, I, I think that they will utilize him well. I think he will play well. He'll definitely be a part um, of the game. Um, but, you know, just having that year off, you know, being conscious of that, um, the new offense. I think I think where Le'Veon Bell would really flourish and become maybe that top one, two, three, four running back again would be if Jameis Winston struggles really, really bad and they have to lean on Le'Veon Bell. Um, but I think I, I don't think you're going to see nearly as much as that. Um, I don't know if he's going to be the top five running back that he once was, um, but he lands in a good enough position there in Tampa Bay that he's definitely going to be a running back one for me though. Uh, Kyle, one more question off of the Bruce Arians offense. I see a lot of talk about O.J. Howard. Some good, some bad, because Arians is not known for using his tight ends, but of course he's known for being great offensively, and O.J. Howard is a great offensive tight end. So are you concerned at all with O.J. Howard, or are you hopeful with O.J. Howard? Um, I would be concerned. Um, and I, I took a little bit of something on this one, because I didn't love O.J. Howard coming into uh, the 2018 season either. And uh, he played well when he was healthy. So that one, that one I was extremely wrong on. Uh, so I could end up being wrong on this again. But I, I just, I don't know. I'd be concerned. I think, I think for maybe like dynasty owners or redraft owners, dynasty owners, if they're trying to purchase O.J. Howard over the offseason, they might panic thinking, oh, you know, after you get past Kittle, Ertz, and Kelsey, Ebron is kind of a, a 1A or a, like a 2 there below the 1A, uh, B, and C. You know, once you get past those guys, all of a sudden you're looking at there's such a steep drop-off that I think fantasy owners are going to be paying to add O.J. Howard based on potential. And tight end's not very deep, so he could have a past season and still end up as a you know a low-end tight end one. I just fear that in drafts next year and then dynasty owners this offseason, we're going to pay up to get a guy that's just not going to quite return that value that we want. Uh, so, you know, as we, we like to say this on Brodo, that fantasy is, yes, it's about finding and loving those players that do you right. 
But there's only one champion at the end of the, the year in every league. So that means there's only about 15 players that win someone a championship. So fantasy is also about hating those people who who do you wrong. Those players, oh man, how could I fall for this trap yet again? Um, which new head coaching hire do you think is most likely to be setting us up for some traps uh, next year? An offensive hire that you don't think is going to be great for fantasy? You know, I'm really worried about Matt LaFleur and no. uh, in Green Bay because I'm worried about Aaron Jones. Uh, we in the games that Aaron Jones played this year, you know, especially at the beginning of the season after he got done with his suspension, were all over Twitter. Free Aaron Jones. This is the guy. Why is Jamal Williams being carries? What are we doing here? Well, then, you know, Matt LaFleur comes in, and this is a guy with the Titans last year that I think really messed up the backfield of Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. Um, I think they continued the force pan with Deion Lewis when they should have started to move more and more to Derrick Henry. And then at the end of the season, all of a sudden we see, oh, hey, look at this. You know, Derrick Henry is out here doing some things. Maybe we should have leaned on him a little bit more this season. Maybe the offense would have functioned a little bit better if we had done that. Well, I'm worried we're going to get into Green Bay here, and then all of a sudden it's going to be a timeshare between Aaron Jones and, uh, and Jamal Williams again. And now we lose that value of Aaron Jones becoming – a workhorse running back that we were really hoping to happen at some point in time. So that that situation worries me. Because again, I think it's a trap where fancy owners look at Aaron Jones, look what he did this year, and say, oh, he has to be over Jamal Williams. And then this coaching staff says, no, we're going to go with the committee and we're not necessarily going to give the rock to somebody a uh, majority of the time. Uh, another hire that uh, worries some people, and some people are a giant fan of, is the hire of Adam Gates with the Jets. You have Sam Darnold, who's in his second year, and the way that the NFL goes these days, if you have a young quarterback, you better make the most of it while he's not getting paid, because then you could pay the guys around you. You see that with the Jets. They have $100 million to spend. Uh, They have this young quarterback, and they're bringing in an offensive mind, but at the same time, Gase did not get great fantasy production out of the guys that that he coached, most notably Kenyon Drake, who he inexplicably sat every single game. Uh, how do you feel about the Jets' hire of Adam Gase, and do you think this is good, a good thing in the development of uh, Sam Darnold? Uh, I'm really indifferent on this one. I, I don't like it, but I don't want to hate it yet. So um, I'm kind of really in the middle right now of looking at this because of the job he did in Miami. I'm very worried about him coming here and doing something where we're like, oh, you know, where is this? He's supposed to be this QB whisperer. He's supposed to be a guy that's supposed to get the best out of his foot. Well, he didn't do it with Kenyon Drake. And even though a lot of people don't like Ryan Tannehill, I think Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback that is a serviceable NFL quarterback. At times he looked good, and at times he looked awful. So what happened in Miami that all of a sudden we're going to see a change in New York where, quite realistically, I don't love the offense in New York either. I mean, Robbie Anderson had a great end of the season and helped a lot of fantasy owners. I'm a big fan of Quincy Newton. I'm hoping he stays healthy in 2019 and plays the full 16 games. But what are they going to do at running back? Are they going to go get a dynamic running back, a a guy that is really going to be uh, somebody that can help in the passing game and the run game, that can take the pressure off Sam Darnold? I don't think they have that running back on the roster right now. I like some of the running backs, but I don't think any of them are game changers. So are they going to go get somebody like that? We'll have to wait and see how the offense uh, or how the offseason plays out before I really start to say I don't like this one. If they don't make, if they don't land the guys necessary in free agency and they don't draft well, then it could be a rough 2019 for them. 
Thank you so much, Kyle Richardson, for your thoughts on the head coaching hires. Again, Kyle Richardson, senior fantasy analyst excuse me, for Roto Baller, co-host of the Fantasy Headliners, developer of the Dynamic Running Back Ranking, and member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. Kyle Richardson, is there anywhere uh, they could find you on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff? Uh, Twitter is my main is my main focus. So you can follow me at krich one five three two and go on to YouTube and subscribe to the Fantasy Headliners. Uh, we're doing a lot of off season content and we're going to have even more ramping up when the season gets here. So a lot of good stuff coming uh, coming this way. Kyle Richardson, thank you so much for your time and best of luck to you in the upcoming season. And you know us fantasy those real fantasy guys, we got to stay real. Thanks a lot, man. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. All right. So that was Kyle Richardson's special. Thanks, Kyle. Man, he he likes he likes that Buccaneers and Bruce Arian system. We like him. As do we. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, Kyle Richardson. Make sure to check him out on Twitter. Uh, if you want to check us out on Twitter, at Brodo Fantasy to follow all of us. Um, BrotoFF.com or BrotoFantasy.com to check out the true throw values and the true target values. Also, check out our videos. Go to YouTube.com slash BrotoFantasy in order to uh, get anything you need from us. Facebook.com slash BrotoFantasy. Uh, Instagram.com slash BrotoFantasy. Everywhere you are, Broto is at. There is no excuse to not make your fantasy playoffs next season. No excuse at all. True that. Um, if you need to talk to Michael personally, though, where can you find him? Mike underscore Patrop. And Jason? At Jason Patrop. And you could find me, as always, at Tim Patrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling frisky. real, real, real frisky. With that, we will sign out next week. Michael and Jason will be on a vacation. Yeah, we will. In, yeah. where, where are you guys going? Amsterdam and Belgium. In Amsterdam and Belgium? Oh, you getting, You guys are not going to the warm weather. You might get colder. We did it when we went to we did went to London last January. Cold weather, so yeah, we cold weather vacations. I'll never understand it, but you know it's, what? I, it's a great time. I hope man. you guys have a great time. And if you're thinking we're about to tell you no episode le- next week, you're wrong. Hey. We have a special episode next week where we're gonna be playing a game show. It's uh, we're gonna record it a week in advance, but we're gonna record we're gonna drop it next Wednesday. <laughs> uh, but yes, we have that for you. So stay tuned. Uh, maybe you guys can listen to it in uh, in Amsterdam. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, you're not like you'll have anything better to do on vacation, no. right? All right, so uh, for all of us at Brodo Fantasy, uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Later.